Welcome back, loyal Embedded Insider listeners. I am Laura Dolan, and I'm here with Alex Pulse and Brandon Lewis. Our fearless leader, Rich Knapp, is on a cruise right now. So hope you're having the time of your life, Rich. He's um, up in the great Northwest. A while ago, I adopted a whale <laughs> that um, it's an orca that migrates in um in the sea up there, I can't remember the name of the sea, but maybe Rich will, Rich will be able to spot her. Yeah. Well, what was her name again? Be better. Saturna. Saturna. Yeah. Nice. She's one of the, one of two females that is able to, you know, bear offspring in this really endangered pot. So hopefully Rich <laughs> sees her and throws her, throws her some fish or feels or whatever. Takes her picture or something. Yeah. <laughs> up, cool. Upgrades her radio transmitter. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, the news um, in the power industry, how uh, power integration's migration into the white band gap uh, with gallium nitride is uh, working out for them. Um, Alex, you want to take it away and talk about what's going on? Well, um, thank you, Laura. Yeah, you'll, you know, we've got an interview that I did with um, Peter Rogerson with uh, Power Integrations, and um, basically we talked to Doug Bailey uh, when the announcement first came out. Doug Bailey's their VP of uh, embedded uh, applications or, and some other things. Um, but basically, power integrations, they make a lot of chips for a lot of mainstream applications like uh, wall-mounted power supplies, often called wall warts. And for them to come out with the Inno switch, which is their chip scale AC to DC converting technology, their latest family of Inno chips are now uh, using gallium nitride uh, instead of silicon as they're in their uh, switching uh, configuration in the topology. So, uh, this is a, this is big news because it really it underscores the, the the expansion of wide band gap in the marketplace, and you're going to see a lot more of this product in the field. So, Alex, um, you know we've been talking about wide band gap semiconductors for years now. Um, it seems like there was a little bit of hesitation, um, and now we have power integrations moving in. You know, what was sort of the uh, uh, what 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 made them wait and and why now you know what are the uh, what implications does this have uh, for those technologies in general? Well, you know, interestingly enough, Brandon, I did some uh, searching, and they acquired <laughs> some of the core IP by uh, buying a gallium nitride uh, development company back in 2010. I discovered, and uh, they also uh, I also just came across some patents uh, that were filed five years ago, and. Um, also, interestingly enough, if you if you poke around, there were already companies who were in on obviously on their beta distribution who were already producing gallium nitride wall warts. So it looks like Power Integrations was actually doing this under the radar for the last several years and have only just announced as the products are in the quantities that they feel comfortable and they ship in the millions. So they obviously have been building up for years to this point and they're announcing uh, a fait accompli as opposed to this is what we're going to be doing. So I know you've, it may be difficult for you to answer this, but uh, is it, was one of those uh, R&D acquisitions back in 2010 that, you know, they were just uh, doing their due diligence and their homework and then waiting to see if the market actually took off? Or do you think that they had always planned to go forward um, with gallium nitride? And I know for the listeners, it is just gallium nitride. They, they, they're not doing any silicon carbide at this point. But, but what do you think, Alex? Were they, was this always the intention? 
Well, yes. The reason I believe this is because it's their own internally developed GAN technology. This is they're using they're using sapphire substrates in this case, for example, which no one else is doing in quantity at this point. And the fact that they're planning, well, not planning, they're already shipping hundreds of thousands, and it'll soon be in the millions. They obviously have a sustainable, in, interiorly developed novel. Uh, methodology to create these devices because I mean sapphire is a uh, very mature industry I mean just look at the watch industry uh, and crystals and I mean all kinds of things windows and vehicles uh, and remote vehicles and things like that sapphire has really become a workday material so using it as a substrate is not that surprising but it is interesting that they went in that direction with it but it underscores that it's their own internally developed core technology which means they definitely thought it out it's not it's it, the it's not something they just picked up off the shelf as it were well real quick just because it's interesting what are the advantages of using sapphire versus other traditional substrates you know that's that's kind of a unique twist here well actually the biggest advantage that i i mean they they were very cagey about it and he, i do bring it up in the interview that we're going to hear um but peter was very uh, cagey about it because it is there uh, own proprietary tech, but one of the things about it is the the the, the match between gallium nitride and uh, the physical properties of sapphire are actually closer than silicon and gallium nitride, which means it's actually a more robust and stable solution. And then, of course, the harder your substrate, as long as the electrons can move through it, uh, the better off you are until you get to the point of brittleness. But sapphire is not. Uh, that brittle and at the uh, scales used is actually a very robust substrate so you get a lot of it you know I would say the advantages are similar to that of doing it on say a silicon carbide substrate which would be outrageously expensive wow okay well maybe we should stop posturing and uh, go right to the horse's mouth what do you guys say yeah I want to hear it sounds right, like a plan <laughs> so here's uh, Alex uh, Alex's interview with Peter Rogerson of Power Integrations Hi, I'm Alex Palt, and I'm here in Munich with uh, Power Integrations' Peter Rogerson. I caught him here because, uh, well, they're here to talk about a new product, but I figured before we get into that, I wanted to do a follow-up on um, our talk with uh, Doug Bailey about uh, gallium nitride. So how are you doing, Peter? Doing very well, thank you, Alex. Doing very well. well. I'm really glad to catch you here because um, I recognize we talked about this, but GAN is such a big thing. Wide bank up is such a big thing, and... The fact that PI is doing it, I think, is it worthy of a follow-up, and I hope you agree. Yeah, absolutely. And even though we're here to launch a product that's a, a key for the uh, European appliances market, an awful lot of the questions I've been getting this last week or so have been about the gallium nitride. So happy to help clear up any questions you've got where I can. Some things we can't talk about for obvious reasons, but where I can help, I will. I understand. Well, you know, and I can get all... Um, investigative journalist and say how I did some search and found some of your acquisitions from the 2010s. And, but, I mean, it's pretty obvious that you have spent, and you, I mean, Power Integrations, has spent a lot of time developing this. So, you know, if I, I don't need to show you all the breadcrumbs, you know, for us to recognize that you guys have been doing it for a long time in the background. Well, I mean, what you find on the Internet is public knowledge, so well done to you for being a good investigative journalist. What I would say is it's long been a power integrations principle that we don't take things to market until they're in a form where they're um, 
mass manufacturable into mass markets uh, where we're convinced that the technology is being worked out in such a way that it's ready to go to market. For example, if you've been designing within a switch for the last three or four years and you now want to design within a switch for the um, gallium nitride products, you as an engineer are not going to see significant differences in your design process, topologies, board layout, schematics. Obviously, you have to up some of the uh, component sizes because of the increased power ranges that you're in, but in basic terms, it's going to feel like you're just designing a normal flyback using inner switch. And to get to that point of technology requires a lot of research, a lot of effort, a lot of input, but we're there. Well, you know, and speaking of that whole aspect of mass market, because you can't get more mass market than Walworts, and you're there now. And um, actually, that's another search I did. I went to Amazon. There are a lot of gallium nitride-based Walworts out there, some from some shady people, but some from some really solid companies as well. And I think it's more the speed of adoption. But then do you have any concerns on that side about the speed of adoption or the, you know, the various companies that are adopting it? Well, I'm not really going to talk about um, our competitors' devices. And where we've been adopted rapidly by uh, the aftermarket charger market is really a factor of two things, which is with the advent of USB PD and USB C, uh, suddenly the aftermarket manufacturers have a huge advantage of not having to design multiple versions for multiple different uh, connector types and whatever. So they've been very quick to jump on the use of this. And yes, you're right, there are some very significant products out there at very high power densities. And if you compare the densities of power you can now buy through Amazon compared with the original Apple 5-watt uh, cube uh, is quite an order of magnitude kind of change in terms of the power densities. And, of course, as you say, those are the early adopters. But if you look at our press release, you can see that we're also looking at appliances. We're looking at server farm standby. We're looking at game, gaming uh, platforms. Uh, this is not aimed for niche markets. This is, we have a belief that gallium nitride can be applied into mass markets at significant levels and will be a significant move into a lot of our target audiences and products. There are a lot of people that didn't, even people in the industry, who didn't believe that uh, GAN would go that rapidly mainstream. And, I mean, arguably, PI is about as mainstream as you can get. Yep, absolutely. Uh, as I say, we are designing this for markets that are not niche markets, but very, very large global markets and believe it's cost-effective um, and performance um, supreme in, in that area. So... Um, I didn't want to let this drag on too long, but uh, I did want to touch just a little bit on the core technology because when I was talking to Doug, uh, Sapphire came up, mm -hmm. and um, he didn't say very much about it because it was early days, and I realize it's only a few month or so later, but now that more people know and you've been talking to clients, is there something more on the, on the Sapphire side that you can uh, let us know? Um, not really. I mean... What I would say is that the reason we went down that route is to that route is to provide the kind of performance we're talking about earlier, which is that the engineer has a lot of the fear of using exotic technologies taken away. He's using familiar topologies, familiar design tools, familiar um, in every way with having worked with our products for years. Um, we obviously believe our technology gives us an edge, or we wouldn't have gone down that route. Because it gives us an edge, we're not prepared to expose too much about it. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, Peter. And as I said, um, well, as you said, I should say, the aspect that you've packaged this in your traditional devices so that it's a transparent upgrade to the engineer, I think, is significant. Yeah, what the engineer sees is a huge increase in performance, but with no difficulty in terms of the design, topology, layout, EMI, ESD, uh, frequencies, etc., etc. This is all going to be familiar to him, and that's one of the reasons for the rapid adoption. Very cool. Now, we talked so much about the uh, wide band gap, we didn't get a lot to say about the product, but I did want to toss in a mention about it because it's uh, not a huge 
piece of science, but it's a significant piece of engineering. Uh, the new product, uh, the Cap Zero 3, yes. I mean, we've been producing Cap Zero for uh, a few years now. And the reason for Cap Zero is, when, um, you know, you, um, people have traditionally achieved standby and safety standards in, uh, uh, to remove the capacitance in the devices, such as washing machines, vacuum cleaners, coffee makers, microwaves, by using um, uh, resistors in parallel. That was the traditional way of doing it, but with the increased standards, you, know, you need to get down below a volt inside 34 seconds now. Also, with the fact that those resistors are working all the time, so you're wasting power the entire time, rather than with the car. Cap Zero products, and now Cap Zero 3 being the latest iteration of that, that switch which is on when you need to discharge the device, and it's not burning standby power the rest of the time. I mean, saving somewhere between half a watt and a watt, depending on the uh, capacitance of the device, all the time you're running in standby mode is huge. You can either use that to make the device more efficient, or you've got more bandwidth in your total power allowance of the, of, uh, of the uh, regulations these days to add extra features like LCD panels on your refrigerator or so on and so forth. So very significant device, easy to apply, um, standard SO8 package, very easy to use. People have been using it for years. And here you have now one device that can be used across all the different capacities that you might want to come across and means that your device is safe, very low standby, very efficient and meets uh, comprehensively all the safety standards that are going on today. So CAP03, the latest version of a simple but very effective and needed product in the appliance marketplace. Excellent, Peter. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. I realize you're running around talking to a bunch of people, and I'm glad you took the time to talk to me. Pleasure. Thanks. So I hope you guys liked that. Uh, it was actually fun because uh, I got to meet him in Munich. So uh, after we had the chat, we went out and had some excellent uh, German beer, which one of the advantages of uh, being a European correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I've had uh, way too much Bud Light in my life, and uh, I don't really have many options. Um, anyway, so, Alex, uh, do you think that this is going to drive other major um, players in the uh, power electronics space uh, forward and, you know, basically – putting a stake in the ground and, and uh, pushing forward wideband gap uh, architectures in general? Well, yeah, I mean, and the thing is the big players are already doing it. Infineon's got both gallium nitride and silicon carbide devices. Um, analog devices is playing in the space. Texas Instruments is just that uh, a lot of them have been pitching it to the really high-performance high-end applications and right. so it's not so much that power integrations is that big a breakthrough in the core technology and in the adopt it's more that this represents a big shift in adoption and you know that it's going towards mainstream apps they're not just targeting high power high density applications which is what uh, wide bank app has been doing now they're saying this is for you you're building a 50 watt wall wart now you can so are we, is it safe to assume that, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line that, um, you know, SICK and GAN are just basically run-of-the-mill everyday um, you know, substrates that we're going to be using and to power all or most electronic devices? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that it's going to get to that point because engineers are smart people. They're going to use the best solution for the application space. So you're going to see it break out pretty quickly, I believe, uh, over the next few years to uh, silicon is going to be the inexpensive solution because it's just ubiquitous. Uh, and then gallium nitride and silicon carbide are going to be in any application where performance and or size is important. That's great. 
Well, you know, just uh, wait for those economies to scale, and it seems like this is a good first step. Agreed. Very cool. We'll see what happens. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you'd like to download our podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Plus Alexa, and of course, you can find it on our website at www.embedded-computing.com. Thank you all for tuning in. We are Embedded Insiders.